welcome back to Sister Brunch with me, Anya Adam. And me, Fanchon Cox. For those of you who haven't listened yet, Sister Brunch is a podcast about Black women plus striving and thriving in media, entertainment, and the arts. And we can't wait to share more stories with you over the next few weeks. Yes, and today's guest on our wonderful season three. We could not wait to get this season out to you all. Today's guest is perfect for those of you who want to kind of enter into the industry. Maybe you're kind of just getting started and this is a perfect guest to let you know how to get into something that is just beyond entry level. So our guest is showrunner's assistant and screenwriter, Kamari Summers. Kamari is, yes, Kamari. Kamari is a New York native currently living in Pittsburgh. She attended the University of Pittsburgh and afterwards she stayed to start her career in film and get her MFA in playwriting and screenwriting screenwriting from Point Park University. Over the past five years, she has been working in film in Pittsburgh and around the U.S. as a staff production assistant on shows and films like Mindhunter and Happiest Season. Oh, Lord, and the harder they fall. We got questions (laughs) about that. And recently, she moved to showrunner's assistant for Amazon Studios' A League of Their Own. We'll be talking about that one a lot, I think, this season, because Anya's kind of close to it. Uh, (laughs) She is also an aspiring screenwriter like so many of you. So we're so excited. Clapping. (laughs) So glad to have you with us, Kamari. Welcome, welcome. We're so happy to have you. And let's just jump right in. Tell us a little bit about your background and like what inspired you to get involved in film and screenwriting. What's your path been like? For me, I think it stems from my parents, like they're big movie buffs. And so a lot of oh. their relationship was like watching movies and like talking about movies. And so like when I came up, I'm the first child. So they were like kind of the way we show our love is through movies. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, like. It. And like when you're when you come up and like there really isn't like a lot of money around like movies are a really easy way to like feel like you're you're going out like you're mm. going to do something like it's something yeah. you can always have like you buy a VHS and like you have it forever yes um, you know so like it's a constant form of entertainment so for me like I grew up watching a lot of movies I grew up watching a lot of like public TV and my grandma didn't have cable so it was like a lot of like PBS kids and like I was like constantly <laughs> just like taking in a lot of just media in general and so me watching things repeatedly I started analyzing stuff and like I just really like the comfort that it brings like being able to listen to other people's stories and kind of just you know be able to experience things that you wouldn't see in your everyday life through someone yeah. else's eyes um so that's kind of how I got started and I've just always loved being part of other people's stories and telling stories myself Um, So that's kind of where I started. So I knew going into school that that was my passion. I wanted to be in the film industry. I didn't really know in what capacity, but I knew that was kind of my path. Is there a particular film or TV show that really was a catalyst for you? And you said, like, I want to I want to help make something like that. The first movie, I think, that I felt really connected to in terms of like watching it over and over again and kind of breaking it down was The Breakfast Club. Um, wow that was the first movie that I was like oh my god this is speaking to exactly how I feel at this moment like it was just you know so impactful and so like every time it was on I was like oh yeah I'm gonna watch it like no matter what scene it started at I'm gonna keep (laughs) I'm just gonna watch it all the way to the end and like see how like if I feel differently like why I feel this way and then going into school I was like oh if I can make a movie like that then I'd consider myself a success that was like my bar (laughs) 
I love that. Great I, I love that film too, right? Because it's, that's one of those films that like every generation could have their own version of a breakfast club, you know right, what I mean? Right. Yeah. And yet the kind of general story, which is, it's such a great example for general storytelling is like that piece of it is universal, right? That period oh, yeah. and the awkward, tough period of high school. Okay. So <laughs> we know that you are a showrunner's assistant and that's something you recently started doing. Can you talk about what your day-to-day is like in that job? Yeah, um, coming into a league of their own, that was my first time um, moving up to a showrunner's assistant, so I wasn't really sure what to expect going into it. I knew that it was probably going to be some scheduling and, like, you know, that every person that I worked for was going to have slightly different expectations for me. So coming into the job at first, the producers that I worked for, they have their own kind of production company that was working with uh, the production. So a lot of my tasks were actually for their individual, like their independent production company. Mm. So I did a lot of scheduling for them in terms of development. And um, I got to talk to a lot of different writers that they were talking to and other production companies that they were talking with. And it was just a lot of scheduling. And then once we got closer to shooting, it turned into more like pre-production meetings and kind of balancing their life schedule with their work schedule and like traveling it was a whole it was insane um <laughs> traveling you mean like traveling to pittsburgh and back and forth or I yeah mean, you, were, you were in pittsburgh so traveling to new york or what what do you mean by traveling everything from la was moving to pittsburgh for the production so a lot of their traveling was back and forth between la and pittsburgh so before we started production i was kind of dealing with going back and forth between the coasts in terms of time oh, zones wow. and things like that like dealing with because they also have staff on in their production company that are still in LA or were based in LA the entire time. So some of it was just juggling when they were actually on the ground in Pittsburgh and when they were actually on the ground in LA and kind of um, navigating that territory also. So basically your job was to schedule like where they were during the day, make sure they knew where they were going, that kind of idea once production started? Right, because the more hectic it got, the more things were focusing more on what we were shooting at the time so some uh-huh. of it was like diverting things that were kind of going to the words of the back burner and then the things that were coming up and becoming more important I was kind of bumping those up in their schedule and just making sure that they knew where they were supposed to be and when so and that's not very different from being like a PA or being uh in the assistant director department which is where I normally work so for me it was just transitioning from working with a group of cast and actors all the time and moving towards focusing on three higher level executives. I'd love to hear more about what it's like to go from, you know, when you're in school and you're in film school in particular, and you have your MFA in particular, so you know what you're doing. You kind of know what a lot of the roles are on set. You know a lot of what other people are doing on set. What is it like and how do you wrap your head around being in a new position where other folks who may not know as much as you do, because we know how these <laughs> mediocre white men get jobs, right? <laughs> but but you're now in a position where you kind of have to work for them or with them, even though you know so much. Like, I guess I'm getting at how do you balance that out when you know more than some of the folks that are your boss? <laughs> When I figure it out, I will let you know. <laughs> well, you seem to be doing a good Listen, job at it. Cause... <laughs> it was it was really... Because 
I think when you're on the outside looking in, mm-hmm. a lot of it is like, oh, they must know what they're doing because they wouldn't right. have got to this position if mm-hmm. they didn't know what they were doing. And I mean, coming out, like being like a black girl, like everything is about like being excellent and like you have to know what you're doing and like yes. you have to be smart and you have to like give a hundred thousand percent with everything to be considered right so to get to like the upper echelon and be like oh i actually know more about this than you do but my paycheck does not reflect that Mm. (laughs) so Mm. it's just you know that's a hard it's a it's a balancing act for sure but i guess that comes with the territory (laughs) what do you think some of the like soft skills are needed to be a showrunner's assistant obviously you need to understand production and how it works what are some of the other skills that you think are necessary um, for me, my the skills I use the most were definitely prioritization, like just knowing, and that comes from my background in production, but some of it mm-hmm. is just, a lot of it's common sense, Yeah. Mm-hmm. but also just communication, like being able to go to the person you're working for. And I was lucky in the capacity that like the people I was working for, they were very open, very like communicative with me. So I could, knew I could go to them and be like, well, these are the options, like which which direction do you want me to go in, which was a blessing. Um, I know some people weren't as lucky as I was. Um, But in general, like I think time management, prioritization, and just being open to asking when you don't know the answer Mm. are like the most important things across the board in all production, I think. And I think my coming from having a PA background, like knowing production was definitely helpful. But, you know, I think that anybody, anybody coming in, as long as you're working hard and you're you know what you want I think that if you have a good head on your shoulders like you can do this you know it's not unattainable it's not like out of reach so let's let's even take it back a little bit further and go from you finishing school and then um becoming a PA I mean and obviously I love how inspiring you are in terms of not being in LA, right? Yeah. And not and not being located in New York either. Like the two places where everyone says you kind of have to be there, right? So how did you transition from school into actually working professionally? I was very blessed. Um, when I came to Pittsburgh, I didn't think there was any kind of film industry there. Um, I wasn't really aware of it. And then when I got here, it was right after they, like Batman Rises, had just came out and like they had shot some of it in um or Dark Knight Rises that's what it is it just finished shooting in Pittsburgh and so there were a lot of like production still bubbling around and I got into the the swing of like talking to people about production happening in Pittsburgh but as you know an undergrad I'm kind of like bumbling around like (laughs) I want to be in film but I don't know what I'm gonna do you know after I graduate and then right as I was about it was 2016 right as I was about to graduate my friend was in this August Wilson class and August Wilson is from Pittsburgh um and so she was in this class and she was like did you hear that they're turning senses into a movie and I was like, oh, like, that'd be really cool. Oh, wow. She's like, they're shooting it. They're shooting it here in Pittsburgh. And I was like, oh, like, I got to get on that. Like, yeah, I knew yeah. I was like, I got to get in there. So um, I like I was in the Black Action Society at Pitt. And so I like I knew some people who were kind of on the ground doing like social justice work. So I was like, Do you, have you guys heard about, you know, fences shooting here? And like, I was just kind of talking to anybody who would listen to me about this movie. And so and I knew that I my first foot in the door was going to be as a P.A., 
most likely. So I just would tell, I told everybody in Pittsburgh that I wanted to be a PA on this movie. <laughs> and I like sent my resume out in like a thousand different directions, hoping that something yes. would catch. Um, yeah. And then I got a phone call from one of the ADs and they were like, oh, like we got your resume. I didn't ask who they got it from because I didn't care. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> they were like, we got your resume. I was like, perfect. They were like, do you want to work for a couple of days? And I was like, yes. So then I went to set yes. and then I worked for, I don't know, like 10 days on that job. And I learned everything that I could about being a PA and set. And then after that, I never stopped working. Um, oh, that's wow. Awesome. Yeah, so um, it was a whirlwind. <laughs> this is Sister Brunch with Fanchon Cox and Anya Adams. Stay tuned for more of our conversation with showrunner's assistant and screenwriter Kamari Summers. Welcome back to Sister Brunch. I'm Fanchon, and let's get right back into this chat with Kamari Summers. So I'm sorry for this transition, but could you talk about what it's like to be in the same space as Idris Elba? Oh my God. Idris, no! <laughs> and Denzel and Viola. I mean, I was going to say Idris. Oh, shoot. <laughs> listen, he's nice to look at. He's really nice to look at. <laughs> he is. <laughs> and for real, like, I love that you're talking about this experience of going for fences. And I think it's a great thing for our listeners. When you have a passion for a particular yeah. kind of storytelling, and particularly mm -hmm. for our stories, that is a way in because yeah. there aren't enough of us, right? And so, right. and we are looking for us to do this. And so I love your example of being like, this is a film I know I want to work on, um, but I also want to know what it was like to be around Idris. <laughs> Wait, Listen. before you start talking about that, can you just tell us what did you do on Fences? When yes. they hired you, and you right. had no experience on set, right? Right, right. correct. On the professional set, yeah. You had correct. 10 yes. days to learn everything you could so that you could continue to work in this industry. And now you're like mm. assisting major producers in Hollywood and going to move maybe to Hollywood. Like, so you had 10 days to fucking figure it out. Mm. What, what were you doing? When I got brought on, I was brought on as an additional PA. And so a lot of it was blocking up and... Um, a lot of it had to deal with me watching the background and like signing and learning paperwork, learning how to do background vouchers. And somebody, okay. uh, someone who's my close mentor now, he's like maybe five years older than me. He was on the he was a staff PA and he was the first person who like took me aside and was like, I'm going to teach you how to do paperwork because if you can do yes. paperwork, then like you'll always have a job. And I was like, perfect and like oh, he was nice. really he was really nice to me. And so like he's always been like a really close friend to me and I met him on that job and he was the first person who was open to like teaching me and, you know, yeah. just giving me that space to grow and everything. So he was the first person who, who taught me how to do paperwork. And then I ended up filling in for him when he like had to be offset for a few days. So like I got the opportunity to like bump up and be like a staff PA for like a day. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. But Great. a lot of it was just talking to the ADs, learning as much as possible, like letting them know that I was there for whatever they needed. Like yeah. you know, just being a presence, a helpful yeah. presence. But I guess they like And me, on that you know? note, Kamari, <laughs> we'd like to give our listeners an idea of um, the, a salary range of what you could make by doing these different positions. So whatever you're comfortable with, 
talking about what you make and then also how you survive on what you make because <laughs> you're not making the big bucks yet, but you will be. So. Yeah. Yeah. When I first started the going rate for PAs in Pittsburgh, which is like a smaller, you know, a smaller market, um, was one fifty for twelve. And then That's over the years. The mm -hmm. right. So then as I was moving up it, and there was more like competition because there were a lot of shows in town at the same time. So once I moved up to Mindhunter and I was a staff PA on that job and it was like eight months. So they were trying to be more competitive with their PA rates to hold people in mm -hmm. for that amount of time. So I got bumped up to like 175 for 12. And then I was kind of <laughs> I was kind of sick of Pittsburgh. So I left and I worked on the heart <laughs> of they fall. Um, and I ended up getting a higher rate, which was like 210 for 12. And then once I came back, I was kind of able to use that as like leverage to yeah. right to be like, okay, well, like, this is what I was making plus like my travel fees. So like, I can't work for less than this, basically. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, right. So on this job, I was making about 210 for 12 as a showrunner's assistant in retrospect i should have asked for more but you know that's that's that comes with experience so right i'll sure. know for the next job and how often do you just work 12 hours oh yeah no it's all the, the overtime is where all the real money yes. <laughs> people need to know like these entry-level positions you're not working 12 hours even though you're negotiating yeah, no. for a 12-hour salary you're working way longer and it's a lot right. it takes stamina it takes stamina Definitely. <laughs> Kamari, are you someone, I mean, we have so many different kinds of people that work on set and some folks have periods of time on set where there's not a whole lot to do. We had a, a guest who's a still photographer on set and she talked about, you know, when you think you have downtime, you don't really, you should still be out there looking for shots. Do you have that same kind of what would appear to be downtime, but you would fill it in? Or do you also just need those breaks? Like take advantage of those breaks when you get them. Right, right. Um, it definitely depends on the day. Like, especially when I was a PA, it's like if I'm shooting on an exterior location downtown with like 200 extras, like there's not going to be any downtime. Um, but yeah. if I'm on the stage um, and, you know, it's kind of low key and I'm doing like the bells that ring in between rolls and cuts, then like I was writing through all that downtime mm. like I was using that time to like write and um while I was on Mindhunter I was also in grad school so I was using that time to like do assignments and things like that while I was at yes. work and just because I didn't want to waste not waste my time but like I didn't want to have a whole day and be like I'm exhausted and all I did was like stand around for 16 hours like at least <laughs> I can use my brain for something yeah. else while I'm standing around. We're so excited to be in season three because a lot of the folks we had on season one, all because they were on Sister Brunch, are Absolutely. now fabulously thriving in yeah. the world. You know, we <laughs> um, and you know other reasons too. But but um, <laughs> let's talk about your your screenwriting and and I love that your your point is that you didn't have to give up on screenwriting in order to you know to be hired to work professionally to you know make enough money to kind of survive on but what are your kind of hopes and dreams as a screenwriter as a screenwriter I want to make stories for black people that's my yes. that's my number one goal I just want everybody to know that there are different types of black people and there mm -hmm. we there are a myriad of ways that we can be represented and that's what I want like I want to speak up for the nerdy black girls. That's, yes! that's, that's my, yeah! that is my charge. We love that girl on like, this show. Yeah. That's a, that's what I want. 
Um, so my aspirationally, like I just want to tell stories and I'm not really sure in what capacity that's going to be in yet. Um, I like features. I like TV. I like animation a lot. So, um, but I know that obviously like my path is going to take a lot of, you know, turns and I'm open to anything that comes my way as long as I'm in the room. Um, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like keeping it real. Like I know, like I've been around now and I'm like, okay, like, whatever doors open that's I'm going in there like I'll figure it out once I'm on the other side of the door but like I know it's better than where I was so (laughs) figure it out and it's so true it's so true like what you're saying too you just you have to like just put yourself out there yeah and and do it because if you don't you're not going to move forward especially in this industry because you know you step through that door and eight out of the ten people in there probably don't know what they're doing either Mm. (laughs) or doing the same thing you know what I mean so right, absolutely. You really have to push yourself forward, which is an awesome like way of thinking for you to have, especially, you know, where you are now because that's where how you're going to get the most experience, I think. Yeah, yeah, for you to be on set and getting that kind of physical production experience feeds into your strengths as a writer. Right. Because you are there seeing how does how does what I put on the page play out when you actually get on a set, you know? Um, And I think a lot of writers just tend to kind of isolate themselves into the process of writing. And then they get have a bit of a rude awakening when they when when the yeah. writing tries to go to, on a set. I'm assuming in in your programs, did you ever film something yourself, kind of independently that you've written? That I've well, yes, nothing that I'm really proud of. Um, if I'm being well, honest, look, be proud. You know, that you things, did it. things that's, get buried. That's, okay, <laughs> we won't we won't post it on right. our Instagram, but. But it's important that you did that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely worked on um, some web series that my friends were making and asked me to write for. I worked on shorts when I was in school and um, it was definitely a process. And like, I think coming from there and then seeing how it works on like a larger level was like, and like really eye-opening experience and now it's had the the reverse effect where it's like man like I can't make anything because I know that like (laughs) you know what I mean like you know the quality like what it could be and then you get kind of stuck it's kind of like intimidating in that way once you like cross that barrier it's like I can't like I how am I supposed to go back now Mm. so that's kind of where I am now trying to figure out how do I make like a low budget short that I'm proud Girl, of. Girl, you gotta let that, that I go. show her to people. You Thank you, Anya. Go. Tell let her. Let me talk about where did Insecure come from? Come on. Right? Like, yeah. You gotta let that go. I couldn't agree you gotta, more. You gotta get out there and do it, man. No doubt. Hey, it's Fanchon, and you're listening to Sister Brunch. We'll be right back. And if you haven't already, we would so appreciate it if you would follow us on Twitter at Sister Brunch and on Instagram at Sister Brunch Podcast. question for you about code switching oh nice because i want to talk to you about like you did mind hunter oh yeah (laughs) the harder they fall you don't need to point fingers or anything but just like let's talk about code switching in this industry and like how helpful it is for us to move through spaces and and whether you have like Mm. any words of wisdom for folks that are are hoping to step into this world what they need to think about 
as they take jobs on different sets, you know, mm. you have to, you know, yeah. I don't know. How you you want to speak to that, that a little bit? Just a little. <laughs> yeah. How do I word this? Um, <laughs> <laughs> delicately. Right. But listen, we got black women listening listen, to this. I mean, so we're good. We like, know. this is the place. This is the place. <laughs> the best way I can describe this is with an anecdote. Um, I was oh. on a league of their own nice. with um, a person that I work with who I see every day. I interact with them every single day. And we all went out afterwards at one day, like on a weekend or something. And I was talking to them like just, you know, cavalier, like I was being my real self. And the next and then <laughs> and the next Monday, they were like, I had no idea how much you hold back at work. And I was like, oh. I was like, oh, like don't feel like like they were kind of they felt kind of bad about it like almost like oh my god like i'm so sorry mm. that you have to do that and i kind of was like yeah. like that's life i was like oh like that's <laughs> like this isn't new to me like this isn't like just for this production like that's my life like i've always had to do that <laughs> so i was like you don't have you don't have to feel yeah. bad like just don't be a jerk yeah. you know what i mean like like create a, don't be a jerk. Right? like create a Basically. safe space where people feel yeah. comfortable around you and then you will see the real mm. people yeah but on the on the other yeah. side it's like you need to know who you can be real with and who you gotta like yes you know, protect your, yourself with um and if you're not yeah. sure play it safe mm. i mean for me it it really I like put out little testers and then I see how they react. And then once I yeah. kind of weigh it off of that, I'm like, oh, okay, I know I can talk to you about this, but I'm probably not going to talk to you about this. Or if something goes right. down, like I'm not going to you or you, I'm going to this person over here mm. who I know will one, understand what I'm saying. And then two, actually yeah, right. like take care of the problem. Cause it's one thing if someone yeah. listens to you about an issue, but if they're not going to do anything, it's almost like a waste of time. And I'd rather not yeah. like mm-hmm. take off the guard if, you know, there's no results that are going to be made. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's definitely hard yeah. kind of navigating that. And this, this job in particular was a little different because I was interacting with more execs and like higher level people. And it's weird because when you come from the AD department, in that department, everything's very technical and everything moves so fast. Like, Anya, you know, like, everything is, like, yeah. back and forth all day. Whereas, like, when you're kind of yeah. in the exec suite, everything's kind of like, oh, it's fun and it's casual until it's not. And then it's like, mm. ooh, I don't really know how to play it here. I'm just going to observe. Yeah. Like, I'm very, very observant. Yeah. And, I like, and I watch people, which is one of the reasons why I really like to write is because I'm like, oh, like I have all these characters in my head because I'm just watching people all day long. I've just become very aware of like how everybody moves and like the decisions that they make and kind of how they treat people. Cause I know that if they're going to treat someone like that, they're probably going to treat me like that at some point and I shouldn't be surprised. Mm. Yeah. Um, right. When it pops right. out. So I feel like what we're saying is like in this era right now in which we find <laughs> ourselves in this entertainment industry, like we need to be trilingual. Right. right? Yeah. And we hope we are all planting seeds so that that won't have to continue to be the case. Right. And Kamari, with you writing for Black, you know, Black stories for everybody, I think we should say it that right. way, right? Yeah. Like, Because they should be watching our stories, and they really do. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we are writing it from the Black games, right? right? Yeah. Like from our own experiences. 
And I think we are more and more coming into a time where we're seeing this broad range. It's no more like essentialist representations mm-hmm. of Blackness, Absolutely. right? We are broadening the range. And yet, even where, you know, you are saying where you are, there are times where if you want to have a career or have be paid professionally at this point, you're going to need to be able to do both or all three or whatever it right. is. But also know that there's a group of all of us that are out here, like working towards a place where we truly can be fully ourselves. I, that's lovely. I'm I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> and and we gonna support you in your screenwriting. <laughs> thank, you, thank you. Are there ways that our listeners can support you and find you and you know kind of like keep track of what you're up to? Definitely. So they can say they knew you. When. <laughs> exactly. Um. Exactly. <laughs> Because um, you know, because we make magic we on make, this podcast, I love so it. we make you. <laughs> um, my personal Instagram, kind of where I'm posting more like work stuff these days, um, and my personal stuff. That's kind of where I'm updating my life. Is at Black Panther seven two seven, and it was there yeah, before nice, the movie came nice. out, it was way back in 2011. Ah! So <laughs> don't judge me. Um, OG, OG, right, right, back in the day. Um, but. Um, and then I have a bookstagram also, which is for like my books that I read and I kind of like post <gasps> about, you know, what I'm reading nice. at the time and kind of book club things and things like that. And that that nice. Instagram page is called Pages Are Portals. Yeah, it's kind of just a fun I love page that. Just for people who want like reading love recommendations and things. So what are you reading right now? Right now I am reading Sabrina and Karina, which is like a collection of short stories by um this author who's latinx and mexican-american so and indigenous also and it's really good so far um so it's really yeah it's really awesome love it kamari thank you you so much y'all support her keep an eye out let's follow this journey that you're on and uh, and we will have you back when you start to blow up in another oh, realm as, as a yes. Yes. kamari is a force kamari is yes a force. clearly clearly yeah. hire her hire yeah, her right. and know that she is screenwriter so that's what you really right. got <laughs> That was our conversation with Kamari Summers. Visit sisterbrunch.com to find out more about her and how to support her upcoming projects. Follow us on Instagram at Sister Brunch Podcast. We're also on Twitter at Sister Brunch and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sister Brunch Podcast. Also, don't forget, please, this helps us so much if you subscribe, rate, review our show on iTunes, on Spotify. Soon as this show ends, your support is so important to us. Our senior producer is Sonata Lee Narcisse. Our show producer is Brittany Turner. Our executive producer is Cristobal Encia Boade. We acknowledge that the land we record our podcast on is the original land of the Tongva people for those of us in Los Angeles. Can't wait to see you all next time. Take care until then. Bye.